My name is Samantha Lewis, and I'm excited to say our podcast today is a family affair. Leading today's podcast, we have Barry Render, author of the number one operations management title on the market. Our guest today is Charlie Render, president of Render Analytics, who has been working within the field of data analytics for a little over a decade. Barry and Charlie will be discussing data analytics in operations management. Thanks, Samantha. And welcome, Charlie. I'm glad to have my son on board. I know you've been working in the data analytics field um, for quite a while, and we have a new module in our in our textbook. It's Module G, which is on data analytics and operations management. So I thought we would talk about that subject today and get some real-world examples. Let me just start off by asking you a little bit about your background, how you get into this field. First of all, glad to be here. Uh, excited to talk uh, on your podcast. Uh, so yeah, my, uh, my background, I originally got my, uh, bachelor's actually in operations management way back in the day. And then I got my master's degree in business intelligence and analytics, which is a fancy word for data analytics and fancy term, I should say. And, uh, I've been working in the field ever since, uh, started my career at PwC PricewaterhouseCooper doing data analytics consulting for a while, uh, hopped around a couple of the other big companies uh in the last few years uh had we've had our own consulting shop here that's been doing quite well uh some of our clients have included big companies like marriott hotels blue cross blue shield atlassian technologies uh, so we really worked with some some larger companies but also we work with a lot of small medium-sized businesses so we we really get to see the full gamut of um applying data for all different types of businesses and all different sizes of businesses all right, well, let's talk about some of the topics we cover in our textbook. For example, in chapter four, we talk about forecasting. Maybe you can give us an example of how you've seen data analytics used or used it yourself in forecasting. Sure. Well, I don't think anyone really does forecasting better in the real world than Amazon. And Amazon is very, very good at what they do when it comes to forecasting. Uh, so they, they essentially take your past behavior and use that to estimate your future behavior, right? So they know what thing items you've added to the cart in the past, your previous purchases, the frequency of your purchases, the types of things that you buy. And they'll actually uh, forecast in advance on an individual customer level, their purchasing patterns, and then uh, presume your purchasing patterns in advance and then send the correct products that they think you're gonna buy to your nearby distribution center before you ever click ship or click uh, the purchase button. And by doing that, they're saving time and money and there's, uh, they're saving you time. You get things at your doorstep much quicker. So that's, they, they are very, very good at applying uh, forecasting in the operations management world. Um, but now I'll say that, but you know, the truth is we, you know, for example, we have a, a small client that does, this is, is really isn't limited to large companies, right? We have a small client that just does jet ski rentals and that's a pretty simple business, right? And ultimately they use pretty advanced forecasting to determine where they're going to be uh, renting out their jet skis throughout the year, uh, what their marketing budget is going to be, what times of the year they're going to be available and what they're not. So the, the truth is forecasting really is applied for businesses of all sizes. Interesting. And of course, Amazon was a great example you gave. Let's turn to quality, which is our topic in chapter six. And I uh, had any experience with uh, quality assurance. Yeah. So, I mentioned that one of our previous clients is Blue Cross Blue Shield, which is, of course, one of the big uh, insurance providers here in the United States. And uh, so 
they came to us with a problem related to their call centers, uh, which is an important piece of quality assurance within the insurance industry, right? Uh, and essentially, they realized that they were able to determine that actually a poor call center experience often led to customers leaving within the next cycle. Uh, and they realized, wow, we have to do something about improving our call center experience. It's actually a really important touch point uh, to determine customer satisfaction generally about our service and about our insurance, especially in saturated markets where there's other providers that, that people could go to. Uh, so they came to us to use data analytics to solve that problem, right? How can we improve call center experience uh, in a way that is not too costly, but that will ultimately drive higher customer satisfaction and higher customer return rate? Uh, do you want to maybe guess what some of the, so we ran regression, uh, which is basically you take all different types of variables to determine which variables are the most significant in a driving force of something. Uh, in this case, call resolution, call satisfaction. Do you want to guess what some of the big factors were and what our recommendation was? Maybe, maybe you have oh. an idea. Oh, how embarrassing to be put on the spot by my own son. But let me, let me guess. Well, I guess the thing that, um, annoys me the most is when I get an overseas, um, uh, call center that's answering and I have trouble understanding what they're saying. Is that the factor? So there is a huge gap. There was a huge gap between uh, call center. So there was a statistically significant gap between uh, on within the call centers within the United States versus call centers that are abroad, like in the Philippines, for example. Uh, and that, that is a problem. The problem is it's a very expensive problem. And the truth is no time soon are any of these insurance companies about to be taking a massive hit like that, moving all of their call centers back to the United States. So that was a factor, but it wasn't the number one factor. And it wasn't a factor that they were really willing to change at this time. All right. let, me, let me try again then, Charlie. Um, okay. I guess the second most annoying thing is being put on a long wait. That's got to be it. That was the number two factor uh, in <laughs> terms two. of okay. customer satisfaction. So uh, you're absolutely right. And, but again, that's a kind of a resource management issue because ultimately you only have so many employees working the phones at a given time. So that was also an expensive solution to have, but one they seriously explored. Uh, ultimately, the number one factor was something that was actually more cost effective to implement, which was we found out that the number one factor in determining a successful call was the tenure of the call center representative taking the call. So in other words, if the call center representative had been there for three months versus two months, they would have had more likely to have a higher call resolution rate, higher customer satisfaction. The difference between a year of, an, of a call center representative versus a one month tenure was over 10% in call resolution rate. So what we found was ultimately, if you can keep your call center representatives longer, you can retain them, you can keep them satisfied, they ultimately will just get better with time and your, it'll, the effect will have a downhill effect on your customer retention rate, which it did. So they ended up implementing some small policies that were not too expensive that ultimately were aimed at higher, cost, uh, higher um, call center representative retention, which ultimately drove downhill and got them a nice, some nice savings. So that's okay. a good example, I think, of how data analytics helped quality assurance there. All right, great. Um, let's move on. Let me ask you one more. We have a supplement five in our textbook called Sustainability and Operations Management. Um, are you doing anything along the lines of sustainability with data analytics? Yeah. So I should say that sometimes good business is sustainable, right? So um, I'll talk, for example, about a client we have that's the number one electronic recycling company in the state of Florida. They're called Urban E-Recycling, right? And they uh, 
their business is picking up electronic recycling from people's homes or businesses for free and then selling those materials for profit. That's their business model. So ultimately, naturally, their business is sustainable, right? They're, they are they are promoting sustainability within just by their business model. But within that, though, there are some things that we could do to help them, right? Uh, we, you know, we run a lot of different data analysis situations to, to solve really two kind of operations management problems within that 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 piece. One is understanding um, over time which characteristics of pickups, specifically the items being picked up, where people are located, you know, residential versus business, those types of breakdowns to understand where the most profitability is in this business, right? Which is helping a sustainability business thrive. But really the sort of the sustainability within the sustainability business that we can offer also is uh, route optimization, right? Now they're going around, they're picking up places, uh, picking up uh, maybe a TV from someone's house, a couple cell phones from the next person, and then 30 printers from a business, Right. They need to understand the most optimal pickups. If there's ever items that are worth just not picking up, uh, if there's routes where it doesn't make sense to put it urgent, maybe it's maybe it's something they should come back for later or pass on it completely. And those types of analysis or data, anal data analytics can really, really help. But basically, we can totally drive forward the correct way to route, route your drivers and what you should and shouldn't pick up, uh, which is naturally sustainable because you're saving fuel. Well, that's interesting. Route optimization has been used in large organizations for years. Uh, do you want to give me an example of one that we talked about? Yeah, I mean, UPS. Uh, so UPS is the big juggernaut, right? Right. They use, they use all different types of factors in their data, right? They're using real-time traffic data. They're using delivery schedules, fuel costs, even localized fuel costs, road closures, even ones that are very temporary, uh, and they have this very, very co complicated algorithm that they've created over time, and they feel very good about it. Uh, and that algorithm ultimately drives their entire uh, route scheduling mechanism. There's no human making guesses anymore or, or, or calculating by hand. Uh, their algorithm essentially determines all of the routes at this point. And they, they save a ton of money. They get deliveries out there faster. And to the, the, the theme of sustainability here, they're saving a ton of on fuel. Those are great examples, Charlie. Uh, you know, I've seen recently. I get I I get electronic ads almost all the time for new master's degree programs in data analytics. You've got your MS in data analytics from the University of Florida. I think it's becoming one of the most popular graduate programs right now in the country. Um, what would you suggest to students who are either thinking about getting their MS in data analytics or who are just about to graduate? Do you have any feedback you'd give them? Sure. Well, I mean, ultimately, I'm biased because I got my master's in uh, this field, uh, and I feel that it was the right path for me. If someone's interested in this, I definitely think that the credential matters at this stage. Uh, you definitely do need to get the master's degree to really set yourself apart because it is a highly competitive and international market, right? You can code from anywhere in the world. You can run statistical models from anywhere. So you do have to have some leg up uh, to really break in and, and a credential like a like a good master's degree or even a bachelor's degree in the field is a good place to start. I'd also say the hard skills are important. Uh, if you really want to be competitive in, within the space, you might want to learn coding languages like maybe Python or even something more simplistic like SQL, uh, or even learning some of the non-coding tools out there that are very popular like Tableau uh, or Google Analytics, popular tools within the space that people are using that aren't necessarily uh, coding solutions, but ultimately you should know the actual tools you're going to use. This is a very technical, very skilled space. Either you know the skill or you don't. Uh, so 
the more you've got under your, your belt, the better. Great. Charlie, it was great talking to you today. Thank you very much for sharing all of your insights with us. Thank you for having me on. 